Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Okay, the wildfires. California. And then Canada. No one will ever forget the beast that assaulted Fort McMurray and other parts, major parts of Saskatchewan and Alberta. Uh, Queen's University professor Ed Struzik uh, is going to join us now and speak about the uh, National Weather Service in Los Angeles issuing its first ever extreme red flag warning as hurricane strength winds face the wildfire. And uh, Professor Struzik, uh, Struzik has uh, he has a book out called Firestorm. It's been out for a while. It's an amazing book. And he was invited to speak at the California Wildlife Summit, um, Wildfire Summit, last spring. Peter, thank you very much for the time. Uh, good to talk to you. And it, it, this is, it, it's, it's terrifying stuff that we're, that we're seeing, that we're looking at uh, on our television screens. And when we see what's happened in California, we're saying we've seen it before. We've seen it before. And God knows we'll see it again. What are we look? What are we facing? What what specifically, in a general terms, what is this wildfire threat to this continent about? Well, we're seeing wildfires burning bigger, hotter, faster, in in increasingly unpredictable ways. And uh, because we have more and more people living, playing, and working in these forest environments, uh, we're going to have a lot more people in harm's way. So I don't see the situation getting any better anytime soon. I think we're going to see a uh, a real uh, more Fort McMurray-like fire situations in Canada in the future. Did I call you Peter? Did I call you Peter? I think you did. It's Ed. Ed or it's Ed. Ed. I'm sorry, Ed. That's all right. I was, I was thinking of my last guest, still thinking about him having to move his business to the United States. I'm sorry. It's it's Professor Ed Sturzik, uh, Queen's University and the book is um, Firestorm. So fires are natural, right? They, they've always occurred. They likely always will. But when you look at the California wildfires, what, what happened? What brought this on? Is it a case of, as we've been told, urban sprawl locating against forest and wildland, which is ready to explode? Is, is that fundamentally what, what happened? Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. I think you summed it up very nicely. Uh, then add on a few other things. Is uh, one special case for California is that they tend to have their fires in the fall time when things are extremely hot and dry, and you have these Santa Ana winds coming uh, towards the Pacific out of the mountains. These downslope winds that are, as you pointed out, almost hurricane force in their velocity, um, and They've got a lot of uh, uh, those fires, 95% of those fires are started by people, unlike here in Canada where, you know, depending on where you are, uh, maybe half of our fires are started by people, 40 to 60%. Uh, Lightning is really not a big uh, factor in California. They also have a lot of invasive species with a lot of oils, flammable oils in those invasive species, so that drives those fires once they, they ignite. Uh, they do have a special problem, but what what they really have in common with us is that uh, climate change uh, is just drying out uh, their forests like they're drying out our boreal forests here, here in Canada and making them very ripe for ignition. Uh, would you explain to me, please, what, or explain to us, please, what extreme red flag warning means? Um, again, the 
National Weather Service in Los Angeles issued its first ever extreme red flag warning. What is that? It basically means that you've got a combination of, uh, of humidity, which is extremely dry, and temperature, which is very high, and velocity, which is extreme, uh, almost off the scale there in California. And when you get those three uh, together, that, that creates the extreme red flag. Mm-hmm. So meaning that if, uh, if, if somebody is at a campsite or even uh, if there's, a, say, an all-terrain vehicle going through a mountain area and, and it runs over some twigs and hits the muffler, uh, the chances of fire getting out of control uh, are, are, are very likely in that kind of red flag scenario. We, uh, we, we saw and heard, uh, saw evidence of and, and heard that these wildfires in California were actually approaching and threatening major population centers, Los Angeles, San Francisco. That's not usually the case, is it? Uh, or have, have I been missing something here? Well, you know, L- L.A. actually was overrun by fire uh, a couple of years ago, and I was speaking at uh, in Los Angeles at the time, and the, uh, the, the Los Angeles fire chief came to my talk, uh, and he was asked the question uh, by a lot of people who were really rattled by, you know, the fact that, their houses nearly burned in some of the more tony areas of, of, of Los Angeles. Yeah, and I remember San Diego, too, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, they had the one more I think about it, there yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And, and they asked him, what do you need, you know, to, to prevent this happening again? Right. Uh, you know, do you have enough resources? And he said, we could always use more resources, but uh, the plain fact is, is that once you have a Santa Ana-driven fire uh, heading towards Los Angeles, really the only thing that's going to stop it at that time of year is the Pacific Ocean. All we can do is try to maybe move it out of harm's way uh, and slow it down a little bit, but really there's nothing you can do once a fire gets above, say, 10,000 acres of what what they call a mega fire. So, Ed, when there's talk about, um, and I hear this all the time, that fires uh, grow exponentially because the underbrush hasn't been cleared out. The underbrush hasn't been gotten rid of. And because they've been told, people, communities and fire departments have been told, you can't do that by environmentalists. How true or how false is that? Well, you know, underbrush is, 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 is a natural thing. I mean, there's an awful lot of species that require it, uh, uh, ground species, birds, nesting. What we're having, I think, here in Canada and in California is an overabundance of this, uh, largely because of these extended droughts that are killing trees uh, and also the mountain pine beetle. And so you're getting an awful lot of uh, what they call fuel on the ground. And uh, that's just aiding uh, and abetting a fire uh, moving very rapidly and very intensely uh, across the landscape. In, in your book, In Firestorm, you write about, uh, again, about climate change, about needing a new approach for wildfire management, and that includes political will. So generally, and you also write that generally our populations are unaware of the real wildfire risks and the importance of prescribed burns, and that wildfires aren't just about forests, they're part of the economy as well. Can we take these one by one, uh, starting with... Uh, with uh, uh, wildfire management? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the problem that we're facing here is that we were so successful in fighting fires for the last century. 
uh, you look at our national parks, uh, most of those trees are 80 to 120 years old, at least the national parks in Western Canada. And they're that old because we haven't let fire burn on on that landscape. And so what we have is an abundance of old growth forests, which is good in, you know, in a natural setting. Uh, But once you eliminate fire, then you don't give other trees such as aspen, more fire-resistant, fire-resilient trees, such as aspen and birch, uh, the ability to take over and mix in with those those evergreen trees. And so uh, two things come into play. One is the old trees just don't have the ability to fight off the mountain pine beetle, so they're easily killed by the mountain pine, pine beetle. And uh, those trees also uh, act in a bit of an unnatural way when you have so much of it, is, is that they create a canopy over a lot of vegetation that uh, really needs sunlight, such as, say, root vegetables and berries that, uh, say, grizzly bears uh, like to eat. Um, so we almost, almost created a bit of a monoculture that's just set to be burned by anything, be it lightning or by, by people. Okay. I have to take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk some more. I'll ask you about the political will aspect of things and uh, and really wildfires are not just about forests. They're about the economy. And we'll talk to uh, uh, Professor Ed Strizik about this and uh, and we'll look at the situation in Canada as well. The uh, the book is Firestorm. Ed, let me, uh, let me try to put a couple of questions together into one. Um, so in the book, you talk about there has to be political will to deal with, with wildfires. And we also have to understand uh, collectively that these fires are not just about forests. They're also about the economy. The economy is in play as well. So thinking about uh, Canada uh, in, in this regard, and, and I'm going back to ni- 2016 and the beast, that immense fire which attacked Fort McMurray relentlessly. So have we learned uh, a societal and a political lesson from this fire? Because if anything's going to teach us, that fire would. Or have we not taken the time to learn what should have been learned? Well, I think we're learning, but I don't think we're learning fast enough. Um, At the municipal level, I see a lot of action taking place. Uh, I've been asked to speak to a number of different uh, small communities across the country from Salt Spring Island up to Whitehorse, uh, Pincher Creek in Alberta, and where there's a real genuine concern about that they've got to prepare themselves for a fire event like Fort McMurray. Uh, the problem is, is that they don't have the resources to be able to do the things that are necessary. So what we really need are the provinces, the municipalities, the territories, and the federal government to come together with a national wild uh, land fire strategy. And it's been proposed a number of times before. There's a lot of blueprints on the books. Uh, some things have been adopted, but not nearly enough. And, uh, you know, just give you one small example is that we have the Canadian Forest Service, which uh, used to employ about 2,200 people. It's a federal agency. 2,200 people in the 1990s. We have only 700 working there today. And of that 700, probably about 12 to 15 are working on wildfire science. Uh, That's got to change. We need to start investing in uh, science that'll give firefighters new and better tools to deal with uh, wildfires in the future. Uh, We need to identify which forest, you know, the the forests that are most valuable, say, to industry, which ones of those uh, are are more more, uh, uh, important 
and worth saving, uh, we've got to create these maps of vulnerable areas and areas that we want to preserve. We can't stop fire altogether, but we can pick and choose and try to protect those areas. There's a long list of things that we can do. Yeah, because these these massive wildfires, again, something that I, uh, I learned uh, in your book, Firestorm, is that they change society. Uh, they, they affect or can affect essentials like drinking water, and just make the breathability of, of, of air challenging. And not just in the immediate vicinity of the fire, that f- extended far out from the fire. I mean, this is, this is serious business. It is. You're exactly right. Uh, you know, look, at Fort McMurray is still spending, I think, twice to three times the amount of money to treat uh, their water now that comes from the Athabasca River because still all of that carbon and ash from that fire are being swept into the river clogging up their, uh, their intake uh, uh, valves, and you need special treatment to be, make sure that that doesn't contaminate your water supply with potentially carcinogens. Uh, other communities are facing the same problem, and you know that's just one example. If you live in Western Canada, people from British Columbia right through Manitoba will will not argue that they've had some really unpleasant summer nights where they should be out there sitting around a barbecue having a a beer and a hamburger or a steak and really being driven indoors because it's just so smoky. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the upside, you have a chapter on resilience and recovery. Speak to that. Well, you know, I, I get back to the point is that fire is an essential part of our natural system. We need fire to regenerate our forests, especially our boreal forests, which in a way are born to burn because in order for them to reseed, they need something very, very hot to open up the spruce and pine cones. Um, and so we've got, we've, we've got to find a way of living with fire and so in a, in a way that minimizes the amount of uh, harm and damage it does or unpleasantness it does to uh, people that live downwind or around uh, a fire-prone mm-hmm. area. And these fires are not a photo op for politicians. These fires are very serious business, and we're learning that as a, as a, as a society we're learning that. And if we don't learn the lesson, if we don't do what you're suggesting we do, and that is really inform ourselves and do the research that we need to do in order to control the fires as much as possible, uh, we're going to be behind the eight ball real quick, right? We are. You know, we, we, uh, I, I, I try to remind people wherever I go is that Fort McMurray got very, very lucky in one sense is that Fort McMurray is not a place that people go to uh, retire. Uh, it is a place where people go from all over the country to work, and it is a relatively young, mobile population with pickup trucks that can move very, very quickly. There are also work in an industry where safety uh, is rule number one, and you, and in case of an emergency, you obey uh, your authorities. And so they were able to move a lot of people out of there very, very quickly. Now imagine if it was a community like Elliott Lake, uh, which is in the boreal forest where you have a lot of retirees, uh, or Timmins, or one of these northern Alberta towns, uh, it's really difficult uh, to mobilize people, especially if it happens, say, in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. We're just not prepared for this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us and speaking about this really essential 
uh, a subject uh, we have to inform ourselves about more, and politicians and our governments have to take them very seriously. Your book, Firestorm, tells an incredible story. Ed Struzik, thanks so much for the time. Good talking to you. Thank you. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.